0: welcome back to the australian hunting podcast thank you for joining me do appreciate your time being able to join me uh, on this great show we've got for you today thanks to all the people that donate there's been a few donators just recently i really do appreciate you guys anyone that supports the show anyone that's on facebook uh contributing uh by writing in uh to their local members by writing on my page to taking our advice and uh you know making sure their sport is going to be secured for the future thanks very much uh, a couple of months ago, I was talking to, I think, Marty on the phone. Now, he says, why don't you come up to Queensland and we'll, you know, we'll do a bit of shooting. Me, you and Aaron will go out for a weekend. We'll go to one of his uh, family friend's farms uh, and we'll go shooting. And I thought, yeah, why not? I was planning on coming to Queensland to visit family. My family live up there, not too far from those guys, about half an hour, 45 minutes. And I thought, I just I jumped at the chance. So I booked a plane flight, uh, much to my mum's upset when I was coming up there. She said, uh, you know, why don't you spend more time with us? But How can you honestly reject an offer to go shooting, especially on private property? We can shoot, we can have fun, you know, cook up some great meals, just enjoy the time out there. And I'll tell you what, Queenslanders definitely know how to enjoy their firearms, that's for sure. So we went out, we went and did a bit of hunting, Uh, we tried to get a deer, unfortunately we weren't successful, but still, you know, it was fun going up the top of the mountain, looking out over the you know, bright green pastures where we were. It was just fantastic. And uh, I tell you what, they're pretty funny guys too. And I wanted to find out whether these guys, a lot of people think, oh, they're unsafe when they're shooting. Uh, they don't know what they're doing. They make these ridiculous videos. And... At no stage throughout that time did I feel uncomfortable. Did I feel unsafe? Because I've sit on the show before quite a lot. If people are unsafe, I just don't hunt with them and I don't shoot with them. These guys were actually really cool to hang out with, and it was like almost like we'd been hanging out for ages, like we'd been friends. We, like yeah, like we'd been friends for a long time. And I remember one of the nights in particular, me and Aram on the back of um, Marty's car, and (laughs) Marty said something in particular. I don't even remember what it was, and I swear it had me and Aaron in the back, just basically in stitches. And we were trying to do uh, a bit of a video uh, for one of their YouTube channel on, on, on some uh, uh, products they were actually testing out for a certain company. And we couldn't even get the video because we're laughing so hard we couldn't even get the video done. I think it took about, I don't know, 10 or 15 takes to actually get the video done. And that's what's, that's what's awesome about the shooting community, I think. This is my opinion, that you know, a lot of us are different. You know, AHP, for an example, is different than Shooting Stuff Australia. You know, Firearms Owners United and what they do is different than Shooting Stuff Australia. You know, guys like Aussie Reviews, who's a a legend, who's been on my show quite a number of times as well, he's a top bloke. He's different than AHP, you know, Shooting Stuff Australia, Firearms Owners United, everyone's different and that's awesome. If we had 10 of the same people in the industry, I mean, there'd literally be no need for us to, you know, continue because one person would be enough, but everyone brings their own personality, everyone brings their own excitement to what they do in the shooting community. And uh, that's what I like about all those guys. Uh, they, they're all putting their bit in. They're all writing their local members, you know, and they're getting people into shooting. Doesn't matter which part. If you think it's controversial, yeah, simply just don't watch it. If you think you love it and you and you enjoy it, of course, watch it. That's the point and the beauty of YouTube and these social media platforms, in in getting to know. You know, how to get into shooting. You know, what do you want to join in the shooting community? What particular disciplines do you want to get into in the shooting community? I mean, there's just a heap of stuff there. There's a heap of content. A lot of these guys are putting, like me, are putting this stuff out for free. Aussie Reviews, putting his stuff out for free. Shooting Stuff Australia, putting their stuff out for free. Firearms Owners United, putting their stuff out for free. You know, we don't get paid for this. A lot of us don't get paid for this. If they do, they get a very small amount of money to keep them afloat. Maybe they run, you know, ads like I do. Maybe they run, you know, things, prizes, giveaways, those types of things. Or they review products. They get given some products to review. It depends on what it is. So I'm glad we're all different. It's like in America, same thing, you know. Hickok 45 is not the same as Demolition Ranch, not the same as FPS Russia. There's a lot of different uh, personalities within this industry. And that's what I love about it. That's what I love. And that's what I love doing this show. So like I said, if you want to check us out, of course, Australian Hunting Podcasts dot uh, Of course, you can find us on iTunes. Just type us in "Australian Hunting Podcast." Uh, you can listen to it on iTunes. You can listen to it on the website. There's plenty of avenues to listen to the show, and uh, I hope you enjoy this one today. You know, a lot of uh, heavy opinions, which is fantastic. Which is this is what this show is about. If you want fluff, if you want you know the apathetic sort of stuff, this is probably not the show for you. If you're looking for you know hard questions, you're looking for people to tell us what they think. This is the show for you. So, without further ado, let's get into my interview with today's guests, Marty and Aaron from Shooting Stuff Australia.
1: This is Rod Drew, CEO of Field and Game Australia.
2: This is Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30.
1: Hi, this is Cole Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi,
0: this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist.
1: This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain.
0: Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian
2: Hunting Podcast.
0: All right, welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Uh, We're up here right now in Queensland, and we're in uh, Aaron's gun cave. Unbelievable. I'm making a video as we speak at the moment of the uh, gun cave. Actually, Aaron, we made it about, what, 20 minutes ago, didn't we?
1: Yeah, when there was sunlight.
0: Yeah, that's right, when there was sunlight. We've got the guys from Shooting Stuff Australia here, uh, Marty and Aaron. Welcome. Yeah, Jay, thanks for having us on. Thanks for having us. No worries, mate. I guess you guys started a YouTube channel. We're going to go through all that because some interesting things happened on a, uh, that we spoke about on one of our last shows. Mate, tell us, I mean, you want to start at a YouTube channel. I guess one of you guys wants to start first. What was the reason that you wanted to uh, start a YouTube channel? I guess, you know, there's a lot of YouTube channels on hunting, you know, shooting activities. There's not a lot in Australia. So I guess there is a market for that. So I guess what made you just want to start?
1: Oh, yeah. Marty and me, we're. Uh well, we just did this, um it's for fun really, on our friend's farm and we thought, Why don't we film this? There wasn't much um on YouTube in Australia with the uh apart from people just plinking at paper and we we were already blowing stuff up and shooting watermelons and fruit and veggies and having a blast like that. So I thought, Let's film it and see how it goes and it just took off from there. we,
2: We were getting a lot of fun out of it, and we thought, you know, it's entertaining us, so it's, you know, it's bound to entertain others, so I thought it'd be, you know, good to film it and
0: just share it with our mates and friends, and it's just sort of caught on from there. What do you just want to hope to achieve? I mean, there's a lot of, you know, guys overseas. What have we got? We've got um, FPS Russia. We've got Demolition Ranch. We've got all different ones. I mean, obviously, we're limited a little bit to what we can and sort of can't do, aren't we? Really, a little bit in regards to the type of content we could put up because I'm sure most of us would be a lot more, you know, I guess, full on with our videos of enjoyment if we could go to a certain level. Obviously, you know, weapons licensing in the different states dictates what we sort of can and can't do on private property so what's the plan like what tell us i guess for the people that are listening tell them what sort of videos you do review videos and 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 just interest in why you you know
2: well i mean if you haven't seen them already jump online um onto youtube and just put in uh shooting stuff australia as a search you'll be able to see every video we've put up there and i mean we're not we don't have a specific format we we like to review different firearms um, we've done a few pistols a few rifles shoe shotguns um but we don't, they're sort of like a tongue in cheek review. Um, we don't take them too seriously. The only thing we take seriously on the show is safety. Um, it doesn't appear that way from the outside. Uh, we, we look like a couple of larrikins, really, but um, it's just like a bit of fun. We try to promote firearms as this fun thing because the thing that's drilled into you from day one, obviously, is safety, which is fine. Um, but some people kind of, make it boring and they make it unappealing to new shooters and what we want to do is show well look you can be safe and still have fun with firearms and have a laugh and there's nothing wrong with any of the things we do none of it's illegal um we just wanted to show for people that you know sort of thought shooting might be interesting they went down to their local A and saw a heap of semi-retired blokes shooting their single shot 22s at 25 meters oh well, shit this is boring um so we sort of try to make shooting look fun and entertaining in the hope that you know, we'll capture people um, you know, that aren't into shooting already. And just by making it look fun, we're attracting those younger people into the sport. As we know, it, it's younger people that will grow the sport and hopefully become politically active for our, for our gun rights as well.
0: Aaron, let's talk about first off, we're going to find out about you guys. So you can start first, Aaron, I guess, how you, how you got into shooting, um, what you enjoy shooting, what sort of you know, interests you in, uh, in this firearms industry.
1: I started off over in uh, New Zealand, came here about 20 odd years ago. And uh, yeah, we used to shoot the old semi autos, which um, some of you might remember, just hunting with those. We had um, a friend's farm where we could do like a 2K lap around it every night and just walk around there with the 1022s and uh, a few Centrify um, uh, semi autos and just pop off whatever's um, moved, basically. Because there's a big um, pine forest farm, they're farming pine. And so all the small, like the possums and all those sort of things, used to destroy the small saplings. So we used to go around and just shoot those continuously, and there was abundance of them, so it was a lot of fun. And uh, then came over here and took a break, set up my business in um, the building trade, and then uh, years ago, I decided, oh, let's get back into it. Yeah. How, it how long have it, you been back
0: into it. it now? How long have you been back into uh, uh Probably close,
1: oh, close to five years now, and... Uh, I'll
0: tell you what, guys, from what in this uh, gun cave, he's amassed quite the uh, collection, hasn't
1: he? Hasn't he? It's unbelievable, isn't it, really?
0: It'd it'd give shit bridge nightmares, that's for sure.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, When he sees your video, he's probably going to just collapse on the floor into into a... Vultions. I know. We made a video a bit earlier uh, for
0: YouTube, which I'm probably going to upload a bit later, but we're sitting in front of this uh, 300 Rum Remington Ultramag. Tell us about it, what you got on there. Tell us what you did to it. I know people can't see it, but uh, give them a bit of a, a rundown.
1: Okay, it's, um, it's a Sendero, uh Remington. So it's all stainless steel barrel, uh, match barrel, fluted. I uh, put a Vortex, Vi- uh, your Vortex Viper, no, not a Viper, a, um, a razor on top and that's a Generation 1, and I got the uh, muzzle brake put on because it did have quite a bit of a kick to it, and it was, got after about 10 shots, a bit uncomfortable to shoot, so I got the new uh, muzzle brake on it, uh, spiralled the bolt on it, and a bigger uh, bolt handle on it, a bit, a bit easier, especially if you're wearing gloves and that, to uh, manipulate uh, and apart from putting a bipod on it's stock standard for now, but it is not going to end up like that. It's going to. How plan- much
0: is that scope, mate? That looks expensive.
1: Um, off the shelf, uh, I think Vortex they go for around the three grand, two and a half to three grand. Oh right. um, I haven't
0: tried. I heard the Diamondbacks you we were talking about it before. The hunting yeah. ones are actually a pretty good, uh, you know, standard. You know, because scopes aren't getting any cheaper, either. I know a guy that buys a lot of money on his rifle. And you think you'd spend exactly the same on maybe a scope, similar, you know, half price, whatever it may be of the rifle. He buys like $200 scopes yeah. to, you so know, you know, to put on them, to put on them. And he goes, mate, I hit everything like a tack driver, he reckons, with reloaded rounds. And I said, eh, maybe it's true. Um, I guess it comes down to clarity in morning, afternoon, that nighttime period, too. So what's yeah. next on the purchase, you reckon?
1: Uh, it's going to be a full chassis put onto it to make it look uh, pure on this it, one, yeah. yeah, like pure evil. Um, so, yeah, that'll uh, come up good after that. I'm probably going to splash out on a 4570. Um, a which cut, model? Which model or make? Uh, probably or? the Marlin, um, the short barrel stainless one, the laminate, just like the Jurassic Park one they had. Yeah. I've always wanted that. I wish I'd got it a few years ago when it was only about 1200 bucks, but cause, <laughs> because they're coming out in the movie, it's jumped to about 2000 now. Yeah, because uh, you had
0: that little other one for people that obviously didn't see it. What's that? The little what? stainless steel, the Rossi. That's the forty. Oh, the Rossi
1: uh, forty-four Magnum Rossi. That is yep. such a great gun, especially uh, driving around the farm. It just chucked on the dashboard, it's ready to go whenever you see something. Yeah, it's a great little gun, and that's just a workhorse that just powers away. What about other than your
0: collection? You obviously shoot pistols as well. What do you like in the pistol area of um, shooting?
1: I would like to get a bit better with the Desert Eagle. Um, I can hardly hit the side of a barn with it, but. Um, yeah, I've, pistols. I've now I've got about nine pistols now. I've pretty much reached the limit, but never say never. <laughs> uh, I am looking at a. Um, I'd would like a Kunin. A friend of mine's got a Kunin um, and three five seven, and that is beautiful guns. So yeah. I think I might save up. What calibers one of, those. of
0: the pistols do you have?
1: Uh, twi- a couple of twenty twos, three nine mils, um, two forty four magnums, three five seven revolver. Uh, I think that's about it. Forty five. Oh, yeah, the yeah, 45. Don't, don't forget the 45. Yeah, the 1911. How could I forget it? That is my favourite. Classic yeah. World War II, uh, 45 ACP. And
0: what would you say, other than the chassis, what, any other firearms purchases coming up that you might be looking at? Um, I mean, except for the whole gun shop like most of us do when we walk in.
1: Yeah, I'm going to start collecting a few of the old World War Two guns. Like, um, I want one of everything, basically. So I do want um, an Enfield. I think I'm the only person, well, one of the only people I know that doesn't own an Enfield. So I'd like to get one of those, um, yeah, and uh, yeah, just basically it's some older guns now.
0: Yeah, all right, Marty, you're up, mate. Tell us about you. How you got into shooting? Why you got into shooting? How you got mixed up with this guy over here? The whole, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle, mate. Well, um,
2: I've, I've been shooting uh, since I was knee high
0: to a grasshopper. Um, I can't even remember
2: what age I was when I'd, I started shooting. Um. But I got my first air rifle given to me when I was twelve, and it just sort of grew from there to a, a twenty-two and a little four ten. Like we lived on a, um, an acreage lot growing up, um, so I had you know a couple of small guns there. Uh, then when I left high school, I joined the army. I was there for a bit and um, get to play with all the fun toys there. Um, and then yeah, I left the army um, and sort of fell away from shooting for a little bit. Um, just seemed like too much of a hassle from you know going shooting. Like a lot of five five six and a lot of seven six two for free, and then having to pay for it that that seemed like it sucks. So I let it go for a while, and then, um yeah, probably I don't know maybe about six or seven years ago when I started getting a bit more money behind me, I, I jumped back into shooting. Um, when I lived up North, so it'd be longer than six years ago. So when I lived up North, I had a, um, a little thirty thirty I used to take up, um, and, and shoot pigs with. Um, so, and that, that just got me back into it. Those first few pig hunts. I went on with a mate up there, up at Weeper. Um, that really got me back into shooting again and hunting. And, um, so I went out and bought a 308, uh, bought a Remington 308, um, a 5R mil spec to get into a bit of long range shooting. And I wasn't really that happy with it.
0: Do you, and, do you still own it now?
2: No, no, I sold it off, um, cause a mate of mine had a Hower 1500 heavy barrel and I was always hanging shit on him, th- him for having bought, you know, a Japanese made rifle and I was always hanging crap on it, but it, <laughs> the first time I shot it, it shot so much nicer than the Remington that I, um, I went and sold the Remington that weekend and, um, bought a, bought a Hower instead and I've been a Hower whore ever since, um, i know you still get a lot of like people are sort of ragging me for shitting on remington remington make excellent rifles it was just that one that i had was just garbage and i know other people with the exact same model rifle it's faultless um so i mean that's just you know i just like Hower now um they're basically a copy of the older model seiko so all my bolt guns are Howers. um i've got a 223 that i use as a bit of an all-rounder my 308 heavy barrel which i made the mistake of hunting with once turned into a truck axle after about 15 minutes of carrying it around so I don't hunt with it anymore
0: don't you, don't you hate heavy barrels for for hunting I know a guy bought one I think it was a three hour away it was about four grand it was secondhand I don't even know what it was it was an old friend don't talk to him anymore went up the first mountain he goes oh you are right this is pretty heavy and I said yeah mate you should've, you should have got a light barrel but if you're going to bust bunnies on the other you know on the other side of the mountain great walking around forget about it
2: yeah and, and that's why they that's where the term varmint rifle comes from is those heavy barrels are designed for sitting out in the open plains like in the states where you get things like prairie dogs and those sorts of things popping up and in high volume so that's the heavy barrels there for you know to absorb more heat so you can shoot more targets quickly and shooting varmints is exactly what those varmint barrels were designed for yeah they're they're definitely not a carry around gun um i mean i I took it like as a novice with a bolt gun I, i tried to take it hunting and i mean it'll hit whatever you're aiming at but when you carried it around for an hour before you see your first thing your arms are like jelly by the time you pull it to your shoulder to shoot anything and it was just yeah fairly impractical uh so i learned that early on uh and then yeah i bought a thirty thirty and a 44 mag that i use for western action um 244 mag single actions um i've got a 45 acp like aaron as well um all my pistols are ruger's I pretty much won't buy anything but Rugers in a pistol. So
0: you're, you're basically a Ruger whore?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I love Ruger pistols. I don't own any Ruger rifles. Um, I wouldn't mind getting my hands on one of the new Precision rifles, uh, maybe in 6.5 Creedmoor. But my next rifle, I would like something in a long action. I want to build a 270 as a dedicated deer rifle, which will basically just be another hour. Um And then the, the other little cool rifle I've got at home is a, is a family heirloom. It's a little um, 22 uh it's made by winchester i think it's called a winchester 1902 but it was made it was manufactured in 1899 and that's been in my family for a long time so i have shot it once or twice just to see if it still works um but yeah it's a bit scary squeezing the trigger on it you worry whether it's going to blow up or something because it's so old but it's got a lot of chips and marks and things like that in it and every one of those you know tells a story and it's, it's just a great rifle just to have in the collection
0: Mm, what so what's um calibers and you got how many pistols you got
2: uh i've just got the three i did have five um I don't, i'm not sure on the other states but in queensland you get four categories of pistols you get your category a which is your air pistols and your black powder and then your category b pistols which is probably the most common one your category b pistols are your centerfire pistols up to 0.38 of an inch in caliber so that encompasses your 9 mils your 357 357 sig 38 special um your more sort of common calibers used in you know ipsc shooting and that type of thing then you've got your category or class not sorry it's class not category your class c pistols and that's what all three of mine are and those are what you call high cal pistols so i've got the 145 acp and a matching set of 44 magnum um, I got rid of my two Class B pistols. I had a Ruger GP100 in three five seven mag and a, and a Beretta 92FS um, Inox in 9mm, and I just...
0: I had the same one, yeah. Yeah, nice. they're not they, bad. They're
2: a good pistol. For for a double single, I I bought it largely because it looked pretty. Um, it wasn't the best for IPSC or anything like that. I, I just bought it because I liked it, um, which, as far as I'm concerned, is the only reason you should buy any gun. If you like it, buy it. Um, but I sort of I got sick of the having to shoot all the different competitions i I really have a big issue with mandatory range attendances for category h firearms I i think it's i think it's like bullshit for lack of a better word you should be able to shoot a pistol on private property and you should be able to get a pistol for recreational use it's really quite annoying um that you've got to go to a range so i've just got the one category of pistols now so i've only got to do the the six shoots a year and and then that's it
0: yeah, speaking, I know, Aaron, because this is an interesting one. I did see a friend of mine bought a Desert Eagle as well, and this is actually quite funny. I agree with Marty. You should be able to buy what you want, whatever you enjoy. And I, I did friend rocks up with the uh, Desert Eagle for a bit of fun. You know, range officer there apparently knows better. You know, why have you got that? This is basically a wank, a bit of a piss take. You know, th- you can't even shoot with this thing. They're not even accurate. I mean, do you guys agree you buy firearms because you love them? Oh, totally. Yeah,
1: you, it, you should have to. Should be any excuse because you um, just be oh, I like them and I collect them. End of story. Yeah, yeah it shouldn't it, shouldn't be anything. It, no PTAs, no nothing. Just go and buy it. And it, it comes
2: back down to everything. It's like it's why shouldn't you have it? You know, like if we're licensed and responsible, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to own whatever firearm you want. If you can afford it, you can afford to feed it, you can afford to look after it. Uh, you, you should have it. Um, I mean, it's it's like people saying, oh, you know, there's no need to have a, there's no need for a Ferrari. You know, it's much like a Desert Eagle. You look at someone driving a Ferrari and you think, you know, the first thought that comes to your head is, "Oh, that's cool, but the guy's a wank. I mean, that's the he, same, same thing happens with a Desert Eagle when is you he take getting it getting laid though?
0: Is he getting laid, though?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think our pizza's just turned up.
0: All right, I'm just going to pause just for a few <laughs> seconds. All right, guys, we just filled our bellies. We're back. We just filled our bellies uh, at Aaron's house with a couple of pizzas. How did you guys actually meet each other? I mean, you know, I'm not sure if Tinder was a thing back then or... <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, 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 not as uh, romantic as that. No. Um, we were both shooting actually right next to each other at the range, our, our Berettas and Oxy Berettas. And uh, we just commented on that and started talking about them and, and just went from there. Yeah. yeah and just, uh, yeah, just talked crap for a couple of hours about guns and everything and got to know each other and saw each other at the uh, range quite a bit. And it just all snowballed from there?
0: Do you reckon it's hard to I mean, especially people that are, are, are different to each other in regards to shooting, we've got the fads, we know that, etc. Is <clears throat> you reckon it's hard to meet people of similar what would you say? I guess similar personalities in the shooting industry? You both like do you guys both agree with the same thing? We'll go into politics a bit later so we don't want to get on that now, but do you think it's hard to find people that think like, you know, you guys or in regards to, you know, getting your rights back and, you know, when you meet people saying, oh, you know, you don't need these guns and, you know, oh, you know, someone's happy with their twenty two and their little, you know, air pistol and going, oh, you know, you shouldn't have that Desert Eagle, Aaron, et cetera. I mean, is it hard to meet people of like-minded, I guess, interest in firearms? Well,
2: I, I find that most, most gun people we talk to um, are of similar views to our own, um, that we should, you know, that the 96 buyback was, you know, just an atrocity committed against shooters. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's more so that we get shocked when we meet people who don't agree with that. You know, that I find um, the ranges we attend and the, the circles that we're in, those views are the minority that, you know, the, the, not, that the NFA was a good thing. Oh, we've met... Maybe I could count on one hand the amount of people I've physically met face-to-face that have that
0: view. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? then go to ozgunsales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers Australia-wide and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including eight years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original Ozguns. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. Actually, don't, don't say who it is because we don't want to sort of make everyone feel bad, which uh, I do enough of that on this show, but um, I remember you guys were at one of the, was you guys together at one of the SHOT Shows? Don't mention who it is, but tell, tell people about that discussion. Remember someone was saying you had a discussion with someone, yeah. I think it was, about um, certain firearms and a discussion. Let's go through that. That'd be a great story to start with. Who wants to go? Who wants to? <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, it was at the SHOT Show in Brisbane, and uh, we talked to um, one of the head groups um Uh, shooting fraternities and uh, about uh, what are you doing to get our uh, semi-autos back and guns back? And the guy was uh, well past retirement age. He should have basically been sitting at home knitting. And he was, um, yeah, just said, no, you'll never get them back. We're not going to fight for them. There's no use of even trying to get them back. And it just snowballed from there, from basically a big match, then a screaming match, and then his... um, Mate stepped in and started having a go at us and both Marty and me just piped up and said, no, that's not good enough. We're paying you money to fight for our guns, to get them back. Uh, They they were taken from us um, with no real uh, viable reason, just taken because John Howard doesn't like guns. So you should be. This is what we're paying you for. A crowd gathered and... Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It was,
2: we became a bit of a spectacle there, but it was, yeah, one of the higher ups at, you know, Australia's shooting organisation basically told us, you know, that half the people in Queensland shouldn't have licences anyway, and you never get your semi autos back. You're dreaming if you think you'll ever get them back. And we ask why they're not advertising the sport, why there's no pro shooting billboards, and like, oh, we just don't want to anger the aunties. They'll just get vandalised. And, you know, so then they, you know, they're basically not, they basically said, we put out a monthly newsletter in a magazine. And which is all well and good, but that only goes to people who are already a member of that organisation. So they're not doing anything to grow the sport, and that's what sort of got us pissed off and you know fairly motivated to start our own channel and do what we can to promote shooting.
0: So he didn't agree with you guys by the end of it, no?
1: No, he basically uh, just walked away. And yeah, yeah, we're just like talking to a brick wall. Some of these guys. One of the guys I met, um, only a couple. Well, Marty was saying about the fuds at the range. Well, I met the King Fud a couple of weeks ago, and he reckons uh, no one should ever hunt and no one should ever have anything bigger than a bolt-action 223. Really? Is that his idea? Yep. Not being a 223, wow. No one um, should ever hunt apart from professional hunters that are screened and can hunt properly and no shooting on private land. Um, You should only be allowed to shoot at a um, range And so nothing bigger than a two two three at a range and target competitions only, must-compete in competitions, Um, and same with pistols. And um, I said to him, well, maybe you should go um, join the Greens, because you sound like them. And he goes, nah, fuck that. Greens want to take my twenty two pistol off me. And that that he was the king fud. So I actually, I'm not one to hold my tongue. But I actually had to walk away because it was about a 90 year old man. I think he would have just dropped dead what I had to what I wanted to say to him. Mm. but uh, I just could not believe it. And Are you finding this as
0: uh, common amongst you know like these people from the range or is it just in general or is, I mean because we, we expect this sort of stuff from aunties, don't we? It's hard oh, enough combating absolutely. them. Yes. I, I
2: find it more prevalent among um, some of the older, more experienced shooters. Um, you know, it's all well and good for them because they had their semi... And a lot of these guys that go, oh, no, you don't need anything more than a bolt action or whatever, I, I guarantee you 90% of those blokes had an SKS that they took pig hunting or they had a you know, a mini 14 or they had some, some form of semi-auto back in the day, I'll guarantee it. They've had their fun with them. They're in their twilight now and they don't care if they get them back. Um, and unfortunately, it's those types of guys that end up running a lot of our sporting shooters organisations um, and they just don't have that drive and determination to get those semi-automatic firearms back, and um, it's it's just it's quite sickening, really. And I think a lot of those big organisations need some young blood in there um, that will stand up, use the money they've got in their coffers to advertise for for shooters, um, and you know maybe even get some sort of um, class action going for shooters to see whether the ninety-six firearms ban was even constitutional to start with. Uh, I don't know if, I'm not an expert on the law, um, but I mean, surely they could pay someone to look into that, you know, things like that, just get the ball rolling, put pressure on them like the NRA does in the States, I mean, I've heard, um, you know, that interview you did with Jeff Jones where he said pound for pound, the WSWA is more effective at lobbying for shooters rights than the NRA, like, I nearly fell out of my chair with laughter then, I didn't know whether to die of shock or laugh, um, that coming from the WSWA is just a joke, like, every restriction we've seen um in the last 20 years the a's done nothing to prevent it like i mean in 2002 when we had the additional restrictions brought in on high caliber firearms and um like high caliber handgun magazines and caliber restrictions on handguns um you know there was nothing done to to stop that from happening they basically just informed their members that that's what was happening and Away we went, and I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to come out in the new NFA whether they're um, going to really try to push to ban lever action firearms, and if so, what the SSAA will do about that. Whether they're going to just go, okay, we'll inform our members, or whether they'll stand up and go, you know, you know what? We've got so many hundred thousand members, we've got millions of dollars in the bank, we're going to fight you on it. Um, So you know, know, I can pretty much tell you what what their response will be right now, and it won't be the it won't be the latter; it'll be the former. They'll just tell people, "Oh, you've got this amount of time to get rid of your levers," and that'll be it. Um, I'd I'd love for them to prove me
0: wrong on that, but I just don't think that they push hard enough for shooters. I wonder if uh, they'll get rid of this. Probably get rid of the seven shot. I reckon that's probably what they're going to do. That's my opinion. Probably keep the five. I, you know, I reckon that's probably the. I don't want to say it's the better scenario because it's definitely not the better scenario. But I mean, they could go for an outright ban. Then we're looking at. If you're looking at five shots on, say, a lever action shotgun, then what? Then they want extension uh, issue, sorry, on the magazines for your lever action rifles. Well, they can only be five shot, you know? I mean, what's on the 44 mag? What uh,
1: magazine capacity is on that? Most of them are 10 rounds. The little one I got, it's only, I can hold nine. But uh, yeah, that'll be the end of um, Western action shooting. Uh, they'll just, they'll kill the sport. The sport will be gone. And what they don't understand is like the Western action shooting. Uh, even though it's not for everyone, a, most of them are a lot of retired, really nice, older people, and they live for this sport. That's what they do. They travel around Australia and shoot Western action, and it's a social thing for them. So that's going to end, right, oh, I don't like it, so stuff you, we're going to get rid of levers, your sport's dead, and what are these poor old buggers going to do? They live for this. It's. I know a couple of old guys do. made
0: a pretty full on about the, the gun laws—I mean, meaning, in, in a good way, meaning supporting us. Like, that's what I mean. Sometimes I know it—it does seem indicative of the older folk at times. But I know a couple of guys where they just, mate, there. yep, no, this was a travesty. We need our rights back. You know, who's advocating for us? What political parties? What we need to do as well? I mean, you know, in these ports, some of these older guys that love their, you know, at Wexton Action Shooting, the ones that are probably are uh, pro more firearms laws, not realizing they're just going to do themselves out of their sport. I mean, they, they don't realize it. Oh. And that's the thing, like you can't, laws laws don't do
2: anything to stop criminals. Um, you know, like you can introduce all the firearms legislation and laws that you want, but at the end of the day, no law is going to stop the wrong person getting their hands on a firearm and doing harm with it. Um, it's, it's the same can be done, like you've seen recently the attacks in France, where, you know, the weapon of choice was a truck um, that killed more people with that truck than an active shooter did in a crowded nightclub um, in New Orleans. Um, And something else I'd like to point out about that New Orleans shooting, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, there you go, Florida's an open carry state and no one shot the guy. Well, what a lot of people don't realise is that even in open carry areas, you're not permitted to carry a firearm into an establishment that serves alcohol for the very good reason that, you shouldn't be intoxicated around firearms. So that guy chose his target, Um, even though it was a gun-free zone. He chose his target by walking in there, knowing that no one would have firearms other than the security and police that might respond to the incident. But he knew that no one inside that club was going to be carrying a firearm. And more than 90% of mass shootings that occur in the United States are in gun-free zones where people don't have the right to defend themselves with a firearm. And there's a reason you don't see mass shootings in places like Wyoming, where you don't even require a permit to carry a firearm. Um, they they have what's called constitutional carry in Wyoming, where the Second Amendment is your permit to carry a firearm. Um, you don't see there's never been a mass shooting in Wyoming, and you don't even need a Class Three license there to purchase a fully automatic firearm. They've never seen one mass shooting. You go somewhere like Chicago, um, more people were shot in one weekend in Chicago in gang on gang violence than what were killed in the Orlando nightclub shooting. Um, but None of those people in Chicago where they have very strict gun laws, I guarantee you they weren't registered firearms owners, they are all gangbangers that have bought their guns in from out of state. So they twist those facts and say, you know, what about America? Well, you've only got to look at the statistics and it's the places with the highest rates of gun crime also happen to be the places with the highest rates of gun control. Um, and that's something that no matter how many times you tell an, you know, an anti-gunner, they'll just stick their fingers in their ears and scream la-la-la-la-la and not want to listen to you.
0: Does that frustrate you? I mean, when you're talking to that guy and he's saying these things and it's totally contrary to probably what us here at this table believe in, does it frustrate you? Does it make you angry? Does it make you you know, sit there and go, why do they think like this? Why do they want these extra laws? I mean, these laws don't do anything. Does it actually flabbergast me when I sit there, especially from shooters saying, you know, um, you know, we don't want to look like rednecks, um, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, we like hunting, we like shooting, we like our firearms. Can't we display that? And then you got guys like this that, you know, again, continually selling us down the
2: river. Well, I don't get angry at anti-gunners because, I mean, anti-gunners are anti-gunners. You expect it, eh? Yeah, and it's what really shits me off is when... And again, I don't hear a lot of it, but it is out there when shooters say, well, I'm glad we don't have semi-automatics anymore. Well, my response is why? Why why do you feel good that you've had that taken away from you? Did did you feel that you couldn't have been trusted with a semi-automatic? Do you feel that if you had one, you'd be a danger to society? Why on earth would you feel good... About the right to a semi automatic long arm being taken from you. Like, I don't, I don't see it. They're like, oh, criminals get their hands on it. Well, guess what, Einstein? Criminals still get their hands on them now. Um, all that those laws did was affect the law abiding. And for, for shooters and current firearms license holders to say, oh, no, I'm glad those laws are in place because I feel safer. Well, why? Were you a
0: danger to somebody when you had that firearm? Yeah, exactly. Um, what about the show? Tell me more about the show, Aaron. I want to find out more about the show. I mean, YouTube as well. What do you got coming up? What's in in the future? What are you guys going to do? What's the plan?
1: Oh, when we first started the show, we decided we're not going to be PC whatsoever, as people have quickly found out. Um, <laughs> we'll go into that little yeah, uh, we, news article in a minute, but yeah, we thought we'd just show, try and showcase a bit of the Australian landscape because the overseas viewers love seeing all that. So we try and show showcase some of that, and. Uh, yeah we just thought just be us just do what we do what we were doing before we started filming it and just yeah just wanted to show how we do stuff in australia with the very limited firearms we have um it's hard to get the overseas viewers because they look at oh okay another bolt action review and when you're over in america and even england and uh, we can have semi-automatics and that um They're not really that interested in seeing it So we try and make it a bit more interesting Blowing stuff up, butane canisters Um, yeah Teddy bears, just uh Fun things like that Um, yeah, it's It's um We just didn't want it to be boring. We just didn't want to be shooting paper and everyone getting bored seeing people shoot paper with a bolt action.
0: Yeah, I do get bored sometimes, we've seen. I don't mind review videos and that, but they've got to be, you know, interesting, you know, showing someone shooting them, showcasing what they can do because I find that's interesting, you know, shooting different things. I mean, there's plenty of... You know, uh, people on YouTube from across the country, not just this country, I guess, but America, uh, England, you know, uh, even New Zealand, you know, doing types of things with firearms, showing how they work, showing, you know, them shooting things. What are the, what are the, uh, things that happen when someone shoots like a watermelon. What happens when someone shoots, you know, a big metal lock with a certain colour? But does it make a difference? Because, you know, you see all the movies, They little handgun, pop, 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 on a lock, lock just falls off. Like yep. it's all just not It's re- It's not. It's not realistic. But uh, I know you guys, interesting, you made uh, several videos. Now, who got the call? Who got the call from, or well, an email from this, uh, Paul Farrell from The Guardian. I'm not sure if he lives up here where he's from, but uh, he took offence to some videos that you made. Who wants to take the story? Yep.
2: That, that was me. Yeah. Um, he, he, he called me on my mobile and left a message. Oh, no, sorry. He sent me an email with his mobile, and I, I called him back. And so
0: give the listeners a bit of a round. What happened? Um, well, what was, was the
2: reason he called you? I was basically driving home from the movies, and I saw his email, and I, was, I thought, oh, I'll give him a quick call because he said um, the email he initially sent me was, oh, I'm just interested in um, asking you a few questions about the videos you have on your YouTube channel and about the gun culture in Australia. So I rang him back and um, it's quite pleasant to talk to on the phone. I was quite pleasant to him as well. And I just said, look, we're not really interested in going on record to talk about anything um, because traditionally journalists and, and shooters... Um, you tend to twist what shooters say into to suit your own agenda, so I'm, I'm not really happy about going on anything on the record. And I actually gave him uh, James Buckles, um, James Buckley's details. Oh, from I said
0: firearms him, owners united. Yeah, go.
2: yeah, I've, I've spoken with James um, a couple of times now, and um, I just said, look, if you're interested in hearing about you know the firearms culture in Australia and the culture of firearms ownership, you're more than welcome to contact James. I'll I'll, I'll forward you his details. I, I cleared that with James, and I just said, look, I had a funny feeling about it, and I said, look, if this guy contacts you, can you let me know? And he never contacted he had no James. Did he? No, no, he was basically just on a witch hunt after me and Aaron. I mean, um, obviously, we dress our our teddy bears up to to appear to be terrorists. Um, at no point in the show do we um, do we mention any religion or ethnicity. We just dress up teddy bears with a fake bomb belt and like a um, little headscarf on them. And it's you know, if he wants to construe that as you know representing a religion, I mean. It's open to interpretation. He's welcome to do that. Uh, we certainly don't mention any particular religion or ethnicity. And, I mean, if you want to... I mean, I could name any one of a dozen or so um, movies that have come out in the last few years depicting real-life events, like, I mean, Lone Survivor, whether they're actively shooting Taliban um, in the movie or... And a kid. And yeah, a kid, yeah, a, right? a kid and his mum in American Sniper. And, I mean, those those are real depictions of real people and real events. And, um, you know, they mention religion and ethnicity in all of those videos. And, I mean, he wasn't jumping up and down at Universal Studios for having created those movies. Um, but here's two larrikins out in a paddock in Australia minding their own – well, we're not really minding our own business. I mean, we are putting it online for all to see. Um, but, you know, where you know, he decides to come after us. Um, Which is, you know, I find quite laughable We're not inciting violence against anybody Um, Firearm owners by their very nature Are peaceful people Because the moment you, you know, commit a violent crime There goes your gun licence, Sunshine So, um, you know, we're not a threat to anybody We've certainly never incited violence against anybody He he then went on to, you know, talk about Oh, you know, well, David Shoebridge is offended by this And I'm just like, well, I don't give a shit What David Shoebridge is offended by I mean, he's offended by everything Um, I don't particularly care what he's offended by. I'm offended by a lot of his party's policies. I think they're crap. Um, I think it's a lot of people... It it disgusts me that a lot of people vote Green as a protest vote, not realising that they're essentially socialists. Um, They're very anti-freedom. And this is what a lot of people don't realise about the Greens, is they're actually a very pro-gun party Um, because they don't want you to have guns, but how are they going to get them from you? They're going to send around the police, and when you refuse to surrender them to the police, what are the police going to do? They're going to get their guns and force you to surrender your guns. So by the Greens saying they're against the private ownership of firearms, they're actually very pro-gun. They're just pro-gun in the hands of the police and in the military uh, and not in the hands of private citizens.
0: Yeah, and then what happened from there? Pretty much you got another email, didn't you, saying basically they'd contacted uh, SSAA to find out, I guess, if you guys were members. Tell us about that one.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I think the first article, when you followed the comments on it, um, were basically all in support of us. There was very few people, um, you know, coming out against us. The, the bulk of people were very supportive of us and basically telling them to piss off and leave us alone, essentially. Um, Aaron and I just had a big laugh about the whole thing, to be honest, but then he, then he started contacting people that have sort of supported the show, um, extra vision who supply us with the vortex optics that we use on the show, um, which again, we don't get paid for, um, you know, we sling their products because they lend us things. We wouldn't be able to show you, um, you know, a thousand dollar scope cause we're not going to go out and buy that to do a 20 minute video on. Um, they lend it to us so that we can showcase it to you. Um, so they, you know, they lend us gear. So he went after them, you know, trying to bas- basically muddy the waters and say, you know, what these guys are doing are wrong and blah, blah, blah. Um, he did that with, um, uh, with Pro Tactical and Queensland Gun Exchange as well. Um, he had a crack with Oakhurst Gunworks. Um, he, he basically rang everyone trying to sort of muddy our name basically. Um, and was told in, you know, no uncertain terms by the bulk of them just to, to piss off. Um, So And then when he hit a brick wall going down that path, he then went to the SSAA um, and tried to get a subjective from SSAA as well. He sort of took it personally. I think a lot of the comments, because people were fairly attacking him on social media, uh, he sort of took it personally and thought he'd come back for another dig. And um, again, again, got nowhere. There's, there's been no police investigation to us because there's simply nothing to investigate. Nothing we've done in any of our videos is illegal. Um, if it was, we'd, we'd be in trouble now, and we're just simply not. So,
1: yeah. Um, Aaron, you want to add something to that? Yeah, we also got another um, email from a uh, and talked to another reporter from another paper, and they basically told us that Schuber is running around with um, a file on us and trying to dish out. All this crap to all the reporters to try and yeah, go go after us. So that's another reason why I think this Paul Farrell got upset because he was the first person, and he's very green, so you can just read by his blogs, and he must have just been heartbroken that David Shearer was going behind his back and contacting all these other um, <laughs> all these other reporters, like uh, running around Sydney saying, "Here, here, here's a file, here's emails, here's pictures of them, what they're doing, their videos," and he probably just thought yeah. he had. He was it. He was in with the with David Shoebridge and yeah. Then Shoebridge just stuck him in the back and went around to everyone else. That's why I think that's what I reckon. He went and did um, the personal attacks on our uh, our membership and everything.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because you think when this came out, I mean, why he would try and attack your Double S Double A membership? What was disappointing, and as we spoke about this on the last show, I think it was our straight shooting show, probably a few shows ago when we actually spoke about this, that the the response from the Double S Double A was. You know, say far from the language we would have desired uh, in backing up shooters. Now, I know this might not be for everyone. So, people may be interested in it. People love it, like anything like this show. Some people love it, some hate it. (laughs) Something there's something wrong with me. For whatever reason, some people love it, some people will hate it. But then the language again from the Double and apparently I've heard um, that you know someone was offended by my comments uh, in regards to my commentary in regards to the uh, the Double language not being strong enough. Um, you know, I'm not sure what people are upset about, considering they should be backing up shooters. Um, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, it's simple. All they had to say was, uh, "Has any laws been broken? No. Are they members? Well, we're not at liberty to say whether they're members or not. That's a breach of confidentiality." Second to that, listen, well, they've broken any laws. Well, we don't know. Well, as it out of the SAA jurisdiction, are they doing it on SAA range? No, we're not interested. You know, I, I don't think that's really too much to ask, is it? Or, we're not, you know, we have no uh, uh, opinion on this because no laws have been broken. We can't give out whether they're members or not and that'll be the end of it.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that, that's right. And, I mean, I don't, I don't really give a crap to one way or the other about double I've been openly critical of them before in the past. Um, I think it is shit that they don't stick up for shooters i mean me and aaron don't need anyone to stick up for us where um if we you know we're happy to stir up the controversy we're, we're happy to deal with the um, results of it i mean we don't need anyone in our corner backing us but a lot of people have and um you yourself included and it, it's great that people have come out in support of us um, but i mean we knew what we were doing when we when we got started with it we knew we'd upset the greens um, when you we'd upset quite a few lefties And like to be honest They can get as upset as they want doesn't phase us one way or the other
0: mm, But when, when did it become a problem To have you know, fun with firearms And again this is not I mean I know some of us People have got strong opinions About double S, double A I'm not bashing them at all I'm just saying the language Needs to be a lot better you know, It needs mm-hmm. to be a lot better In the way they you know, portray shooters In the media all I read when I was reading that was, you know, basically sorry, 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 and sorry, 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 sorry. Instead of saying to this guy, now listen, we don't know anything about it. Not really our concern unless the laws have been broken or it's happened on double S double A range. Uh, we can't really give a comment on that. I mean, is it really—it's not really that hard, is no, it? Certainly and then not too hard to ask for. Someone is offended with me because of my comments to say that because of my commentary saying. You know, oh, you know, it's just a bit too much. And, you know, what do they want me to do? I mean, their language, this is what I see a lot of over the last, say, six to 12 months. And this started probably in December, maybe of last year, I think, one of episode 104. Uh, I said things about a political party, about their performance on a radio show. All of a sudden, it's Jason Selms' fault. Not, well, this person gave a bad interview and didn't do a great job in representing shooters. It's my fault. Uh, this happened with a. Again, don't want to give them any publicity because just don't want to. But, you know, there was a blogger who, same thing, where I listened to my show and got upset that I was calling people fuds. I mean, at least anti gunners, you know where they stand. You know that they're anti gun. But the one that really upset me the most, and I think they're actually, I've had a chat with Mario about this too, Maz. The, the people that are, uh, are anti getting certain firearms back or as. Aaron just said, uh, you know, over a certain calibre. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, when's this language going to change? I mean, I'm going to say one thing too, a little bit too, because I'm a massive supporter of Shooters Union and I know the the media office at the SAA in regards to this article said firearms were a right, uh, sorry, a privilege and not a right and then in the, which I'm going to bring them to task a little bit on uh, Tuesday night next week. I'm interviewing Shooters Union. I spoke to Dave Brown. I'm going to have an interview with David Brown and Uh, What's his name? Graham Park as well. Yep. And on their Q&A, they did say, yeah, because I asked them a question on the message and said, is it a right or a privilege to own a firearm? They go, no, it's a privilege. And they kept going, which is fine. They do a fantastic job. But um, uh, again, we're getting this uh, privilege when we talk about our firearms rights. I mean, we're getting our firearms rights back to own certain firearms. We don't sit there and say, oh, how are we going to get back our gun privileges? Do we? No, we don't that, talk about that. That's I mean, exactly right. I'm going to go with them and have a chat with them, have a stake with them, and we're going to go over this sort of stuff in the show. But again, when are we going to change our language? This is what is sinking shooters.
2: Yeah, yeah, precisely. You know, people don't want to – I think a lot of shooters are scared of losing more, and their strategy is – and I sort of put it back to a little bit of Stockholm syndrome you know where your people fall in love with their uh, their captors or befriend you know befriend their captors i think that a lot of shooters in australia essentially have stockholm syndrome with the government they're you know they're not outraged that this injustice has been done to them and they're appeasing the people that are oppressing them and to me that that's that's stockholm syndrome and i think a lot of people are like oh you know it's good they've taken this away from us because now i feel safer it's like no, you just you're just not angry anymore. Um, you know, I see pictures. Like I was only a kid when um, Port Arthur happened, and I know Port Arthur was the basis for the for the the um, the band. Um, but I know that that ban, the, the, it was it was ready to go well before Port Arthur. They were just looking, you know, for something like Port Arthur to happen. And whether you want to put on your tin hat or not, there's a, there's a lot of people that. Um, want to call, there's a lot of questions left unanswered about Port Arthur. You know, there was no coronial inquiry. There was no questions got asked about it. There was no trial. Um, You know, to me, if I I want to know how someone with an IQ, like someone with a mental age of a 10-year-old, developed those shooting skills. Um, You know, there's a lot of questions there that could be answered by a simple coronial inquiry, and they could shut up all the conspiracy theories by just having a coronial inquiry into it. Um, but you know, there's all these unanswered questions and people just don't want to go near it. They don't want to bring it up. Um, no one wants to touch it with a 10 foot pole basically.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, uh, let's talk about quickly just about political parties. You don't have to say yes or no. Um, you know, it's up to you guys whether you want to share or not. It's completely up to you. Um, I mean, you guys have a specific party you want to vote for. I mean, we got, what do we get up here in Queensland? We got Hanson up. Uh, we missed out on Gay Buckley from the LDP, which was a shame. We got Lionhelm, obviously re elected New South Wales. Um, we got four One Nation, one Lionhelm, which is, you know, a lot of people say One Nation's pro gun. I agree, but we haven't really heard anything from them in regards to you know, great you know, a, a firearm stance at all, really, since, you know, Hanson paraded around in 1996. So I don't think she'd be against us, but I always say you never know. If there's another mass shooting, you never know what people are likely to do when it comes to parliament and how they're likely to vote. So um, do you do you vote for a political, a pro-gun party? Do you vote for the two majors if you want to share or do you want to just tell us about politics and stuff like that?
1: I only vote for uh, pro-gun people. So um, I did read uh, Pauline Hanson's uh, firearms uh, policy and it's basically leave us alone just keep keep what we got and that's status, about it status quo yeah, yeah. yeah don't take any more but um we're happy with what it is um but yeah I'll just vote for anyone that um like ldp are great i, I think they're fantastic um yeah kim Vuga, she's got a very strong um uh firearms policy it's a shame she didn't um, get as high up as she could have and uh yeah so just basically anyone that um that is a, a full-on pro-gun. And for me, pro-gun is get our semi-autos back, not I'm just happy with what we got. Yeah. Th- and like uh, expanding on what Marty said, a lot of uh, shooters in the fuds out there basically thank the government for not taking everything. It's like, okay, that's okay, and thank you so much for not taking everything. And that's what a lot of these um, pricks are like, and they nothing but pricks. And to me, people who think like that, hand your guns in and fuck off. You don't deserve to have a gun licence. If you don't stand up for every discipline and everyone, you're nothing. You're absolutely nothing. You shouldn't have to, and that's the way I feel. I don't like a lot of shooting disciplines because they're just not me, but I'll stand up for any shooting discipline um, that's going to be harmed, uh, even if it's not something I do.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: And I I vote... um I mean, I'm happy to say who I voted for. I, I voted... I put Pauline Hanson as a, a number one preference, but then I preference LDP straight after her. Um, after LDP, I think I preference Shooters and Fishers, and then...
0: What, Cutter? Was Cutter in there? Yeah, actually, yeah, no, it
2: it was Cutter straight after... Yeah, it was Cutter straight after LDP and then Shooters and Fishers after them. Um, I've been to some of the the SFP meetings and I just don't feel... I think there's kind of a fledgling party in Queensland. They've got a lot of good members in Queensland. I think the New South Wales guys, the two Roberts, I think they're shocking and need to go. But in Queensland, they've got a good crew. They just... um, they just—they don't have a, a lot of strong policy set. They don't have a clear direction yet. I think they're a, a fledgling party, and I, I think that in a few years, with a bit of development, I think they can become a very strong political presence in Queensland, um, if they, if they keep going down the path they're going. But I, I couldn't bring myself to put them at the top. Um, I, I agree with virtually a hundred percent of what Pauline Hanson says with all of her policies. I think she's fantastic. Um, same with Catter, he's brilliant And LDP, if, if you're a shooter um, I really think LDP is the party to vote for um, Unfortunately in the state election in Queensland I don't believe they're registered
0: for the state here They might be under Outdoor Recreation Party um, I think at the next one, from what I'm hearing They're going to be definitely the Queensland election If they weren't last time, I can't be 100% sure about that I know in 2019 they're going to be running in New South Wales Not under the Outdoor Rec And I'm pretty sure they'll be running in Victoria at their next election, which I think is in 2018. Not sure about the rest of the country, unfortunately, because I'm just not sure when they're... But let's talk about the pro-gun parties. Um, What do you think, say, um, Aaron, what do you think they can do better? Let's say, how can they more advocate for our rights? What do you expect from them? They They want your vote what do you expect from them what do you expect in regards to their language in regards to because as you just said i support everyone's right when I mean, you want to shoot a desert eagle hey you got the money have at it you know you want to shoot a 9mm 22 you want to go pig dogging you want to shoot a bow mate whatever tickles your fancy as long as you're not breaking the law fantastic what do you expect from them and like wh- what do you think they're doing better and what can they or what do you think they're doing great and what can they do better
1: well i just reckon they need to be a bit more vocal on it not just sort of um uh a, a passing comment Which a lot of them do do Because uh, Basically the gun laws here Are rigged for votes It's easy to take something away from people And say Hey look what I've done I took this away These are off the streets now So Basically I think Parties need to be more vocal about it um, Standing up And saying, no we, we will attempt to get Our guns back That were stolen from us in 96 We'll um, see what we can do about that We'll start looking into it And we'll um, Advocate uh, For a, a vote or it's something along those lines to get them back. Not just, okay, let's just be thankful for what we got um, and nothing else can go sort of um, attitude. and that's, um, So as long as they're a bit more uh, vocal on it and, and put their foot down and don't beat around the bush. Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm very much of the opinion that talk is cheap. Uh, politicians can say whatever they want. I would like to see more aggressive language from our... Shooting political parties, our pro shooting political parties. I would like to see them stop appeasing and apologising to anti gunners. And I would like them to take, you know, every opportunity they get in the media to promote firearms that they do so. I mean, we've all heard the Robert Brown, Andrew Bolt interview. And, uh, sorry, that was was Borzak. Yeah, sorry, Borzak. And and Borzak, I'll give credit where credit's due. Borzak has had some good interviews in the past, but he's also had some shockers. And it's those shockers that, you know, that the media remember and they'll use it against us. I mean, what's to say, like that interview he had with Bolt where he said, oh, you know, no one should have a semi-auto, blah, blah, blah. It, that, those were the words that came out of his mouth. I'm not making that up. You can look up the interview and see, f- hear it for yourself. Um, that interview, say 15 years down the track, um, we've become, you know, a political powerhouse and we're basically on the cusp of getting our semi-autos back And what's, you know, the media, the left wing media is going to find that interview with Robert Borzak and the one with Robert Brown, where he basically lost his spine in front of John Howard on on TV. They're going to find those two interviews. They're going to put them in the public and say, look, here's two experts. Here's two goes. who's two pro gun guys saying that, no, we shouldn't have semi autos. And they're going to use that against us. Um, And, you know, that's that's what really pisses me off. I think talk is cheap. Talk is one thing you can do, but I want to see the actions backing that up. And I want to see these guys that get up in front of a crowd of shooters and say, yeah, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're going to get your rights back. And then when they get in front of someone like John Howard or, you know, Andrew Bolt, their spine just falls out of their ass and they just start blubbering and apologizing and appeasing. And it's sickening to watch.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I know things definitely are hard, you know, in regards to getting our rights back. I don't think many people would say it's going to happen overnight. It sucks the way it is. But people often say things to me, they go, oh, you want concealed carry, oh, you want semi-autos, it's not, you know, not going to happen right now and, and you're not going to get it overnight. I think everyone you know, except that it's going to be a hard slog. I think everyone knows that, right? But people say, and you say talk is cheap, but, I mean, I think it's... I'm happy for someone to tell me, like, you know, on their Facebook page, that we're going to do this, we say, disagree with the NFA, which I know most of the pro-gun parties do, LDP, SFP, no doubt probably One Nation, et cetera, yep. Bob Catter, obviously. Um, but then when they get... They're telling me, as you just said, one thing, and then they get into the media and say something completely different. I'm like... Even if you don't get my rights back, right, and it's going to be a long slog, at least if you're in the media, at least say the right things. At least say you know whatever it is they may be asking you. Well, you know, should should you, you know? Do you agree with the semi-automatic ban? No. Yeah. You know, Real-world examples like New Zealand, Canada, Sweden, Switzerland have these types of firearms. No mass shootings over in those countries. I know Aaron's from New Zealand and what the firearms all you know, are over in New Zealand. They've got fantastic laws, they've got um you know semi autos, they've got pump shotguns, they've got AR fifteens, no mass shooting since nineteen ninety seven. I mean, Aaron, you, you know, how was it when you before you, you know, left you know I mean the laws are fantastic now. I know they're trying to clamp down just a little bit on their firearms, which hopefully it doesn't you know, doesn't go anywhere.
1: Well I think they've actually tried to clamp down twice before and so you no know, people pushing for the Australian gun laws and let us laugh straight out of parliament, gone not to do it. That's my understanding. But uh, when I was over there, the government actually promoted hunting um, as a tourism, actually actually promoted it. It was TV ads all around the world. Come to New Zealand, bring your guns, and hunt. We got that opportunity here. We got fantastic hunting in this country. They could make so much money out of it um, as a tourist trade. And they, they did that in New Zealand, and that was really popular, and I think they still do it as an actual um, yeah, tourism, yeah tourism plug for, for the country. Yeah. And they um, promote it, and you can bring your own guns over there and semi-autos and and hunt. Uh, and it's actually um, yeah advertised around the world. I can't understand why this country does not do that. It's also the um, getting rid of the semi-autos. It's the uh, whole the amount of money this government could make out of bringing them back would be phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. We could be extremely rich and well off. And you even look at the international contest. They just don't come here anymore. They're not spending millions of dollars for our week-long contests anymore because you just can't have the guns. So why, why are international shooters going to come here?
0: Yeah, that's right. It's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Really, you know what I mean when we see you know p- people not being able to come to this country. I mean, can you imagine if like these types of firearms, even just say a-, a pump shotgun to Category C? And this is what frustrates me the most. A lot of these, and I've even heard from certain gun shops, which I think I did a show on this ages ago. You know, said yeah, people are pretty much happy with the laws, yada yada yada. Shooters, and I was like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? And the thing that frustrates me the most is you think these people. Wouldn't buy one tomorrow if they became legal? You think those gun shop owners wouldn't start stocking pump shotguns and semi-automatic shotguns if they became legal tomorrow? This is what really irates me. Like, I don't want to get too upset now because I can feel my blood pressure starting to rise, but it's a joke. These people would be the first people to go and buy them. They'd be the first people to start stocking these firearms because they're going to make money, and this is what upsets me so much, you know you know, about the industry. So what are you guys going to do in the future? Are you going to you know, keep doing what you're doing? I mean, is, especially with that article from that Paul Farrell, does that turn you guys off in any way or anything like that?
1: No, no. Not really. No,
2: no, not at all. If, if anything, it's it's lets us know that we're on the right track. We're pissing the right people off. Um, the more we can anger the the lefties and the greenies, the, the happier we are. Um yeah, we we think that um, you know there should be more shooting channels in Australia. I'd I'd love there for you know there's there's really just just us and, and Aussie and and I'd love for there to be you know ten fifteen shooting channels in Aussie all with their own format, all doing their own thing and getting shooting out into the public eye.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm just sick of people saying you've got to be quiet and not no don't showcase this. Like when we did the Adler races, a bit of fun, harmless fun, or everything legal. And the amount and death threats we got, and the amount of crap we got. From people, uh, messages saying, "Oh, you're going to get our guns banned. You're the, you're you're going to be you're the problem." It's like, no, nah, come out of the shadows. You shouldn't have to hide. You should be proud of your sport. Enjoy what you do and, and showcase it. Uh, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And is half these fuds are like, right, they're ashamed of shooting, and it should just all be kept nice and quiet and sit in the background so no one can see. But nah, stuff that. we have got to be out there in your face, showing what we can do.
0: Mm. So, as you know, I'm up here for the weekend. We're going to do a bit of shooting. What's the plan? What are you going to do? What are, well, what are we going to do, actually? Uh, what's the plan? Well, You can come out tomorrow
2: to um, a family property of mine um, out in the hills in the Sunshine Coast Hinterland. It's uh, prolific with red deer out there. Uh, it's not the raw or anything at the moment, but I understand you've got a bit of a deer curse.
0: Yeah, I've got a. What do they call it? Actually, uh, what do they call it? You might know that the deer tapu. A hoodoo. No, a, hoodoo. a tapu. Yeah, a a hoodoo. Tapu. They call oh, deer yeah. hoodoo, deer curse. But yeah. my mate goes to me, he goes, you've got a tapu. And I said, what the what the hell's a tapu? Because his missus is from New Zealand, but she lives here. And he goes, oh, it's like the curse, you know what I mean? So, so I think I've got a deer tup, major deer tapu, mate. <laughs> like four, four years. And then Michael, who um, moderates on my Facebook page, you might see Michael H. occasionally, yep. who does a lot of my articles, does a fantastic job on, on, on uh, Facebook there. second Second hunt, two deer. You know, unbelievable. About 80 kilos worth of meat you, on two, you wouldn't believe it. And I'm like, I felt so happy for him. I'm like, you bastard, you know, why, why you? But, mate, good on him, you know, that's not, you know, I'm glad we just got something and we're able to go through the, you know, skinning, gutting process um, and enjoy it, you know. So what else we got planned? What are we going to do? Well,
2: I'll, I'll, I'm going to go on record now and tell you, I'll, I'll guarantee you'll be going home after killing a deer uh, tomorrow or the next day. Um, I'm lending you the lucky hower um it's just a 223 um for all of you visitors listening out of state going you can't shoot deer with a 223 well in queensland the best state in australia uh you can uh, it's all about shot placement so um i'm going to lend you the lucky hour it's what i killed my first deer with um, have you
0: with, shot them before with a 223
2: absolutely that's all i hunt deer with at the moment i do want to build a 270 so i can go for those body shots because at the moment i'm limited to neck and head shots i find that so one
0: when you've shot them never a problem
2: Never a problem. Every deer I've shot with a 223 has either um, been killed instantly um, in the case of a headshot, but they get knocked unconscious. This is the thing. This is where I like to place my shots is in the neck because everything vital is in the neck. And if you're using the right projectiles, I like to load a 55-grain Hornady um, Amax, the ballistic tip. It gives very, very rapid expansion. And if you place that shot in the neck, um, I've severed spinal columns, which gives an instant kill. That's actually probably one of the best ways to do it because the force of the round... It actually knocks the animal unconscious. Even though its heart's still beating, it's completely unconscious. I've done this once or twice and then been able to bleed the animal out using its own heartbeat, like just open up the artery with my knife. Um, the animal's unconscious the whole time. It doesn't twitch. It doesn't, doesn't react in any way, so it's not feeling any pain. Um, and then the heart actually pumps the blood out for you, and it's a really good way to, to bleed your animals.
0: Interesting story. There was a, a guy I went hunting with years ago. First time I went hunting with him. Uh, we were at, um, uh, it was a state forest hunt actually. I'm pretty sure it was. It might have been private property. Can't remember. Anyway, so we are hunting goats. I had my 223 in for repair. Uh, well, I was just no, not repaired. I was getting some uh, work done to getting a muzzle brake, a few other things because I'd cut it down, making it like a good varmint rifle. So I only had a shotgun. He's got a 204. I think it was 39 grain V Max or Blitzkins, whatever they are. I'm not sure which specific brand it was. Anyway, Big Billy comes up. We came over the hill in the car. We literally got out the car. They ran up and over the hill, and I thought, oh, no, they're gone for sure. And I'm thinking, Mate, there were some pretty big goats there, like good, almost the size of deer, like especially a, a good medium-sized deer. And I'm thinking, 204, you know, with, is that? And he goes, no, no, it's fine. And they drop on the spot. I'm thinking, eh, this might be a little bit inhumane. I don't know. Uh, got up there, big billy, mate, right in the neck, flop, bang. Couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. What do you, What would you say to people? Because I know this is a very interesting topic about calibers, especially saying you know you, you might shoot them with a two, two, three. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's inhumane. You should be doing it with a two seventy. Blah blah. What, what, what's your thoughts well, on that?
2: Two seventy and ADA recommend you know two seventy is a minimum caliber. And if you're going to a uh, there's a there's a good guy out at Kilcoy that does deer hunts on his property. He sells them. They're not cheap, but they're very good. He guarantees you a trophy. Um, He won't let you hunt there with anything smaller than a 270 because they're um, affiliated with the ADA. Um, But in Queensland, there's no minimum calibre restriction and the onus is put back onto the shooter to correct the select calibre for the job. If you are confident in your ability, there's no reason you can't hunt deer with a 2 to 3 as long as you can place that shot where it's going to provide a humane kill. So if you're using a projectile, that expands rapidly and you place that shot um, in either the neck or the head. There's no real issue with it. It will do the job and it will do the job efficiently. Um, I wouldn't, take that 223 and try to hit a deer through the lung or in the chest um because i i think it would run away wounded and die in pain elsewhere if i was going to do one of those body shots i'd I'd use a minimum of a thirty thirty.
0: yeah it's interesting hey different always some different color debates i know a guy who uh, only shoots 243 everything rabbits right up to big deer and he says he's never had a problem doesn't feel like it's inadequate i think he shoots some maybe 80 maybe even 90 grains out of them i'm not sure exactly in two four three because i'm not familiar but um all right let's have we're gonna have a bit of fun now all right this is purely just a joke No, no one should take this a little bit too serious all right let's say this is a scenario situation right zombies have come right just think about it zombies have come you've only got to you've only got to dream about it <laughs> you've only got the choice between say a rimfire 22 right a pump shotgun right say like a 223 semi-auto in AR15 example or whatever specific color, you know, configuration you want or say you know a 45 ACP pistol Or just your traditional bolt action in what calibre? I mean, if the shit hit the fan, yes, it's only a joke. We're just having a bit of jokey. What would you choose? What would you... Only one choice of a particular
1: firearm. I'd go my 300 rum only because I don't like walking. (laughs) What would you just sit on the roof, sort of thing, yeah, and just pop and just pop um, things off? I get, I, <laughs> I get bugged walking to my letterbox, which is only 200 meters away, so I don't like walking. So I just sit back on a roof and just go nuts,
0: yeah, exactly. What about
1: you? Oh, what,
0: what would you choose? Or let's say a sword when we've seen what's that? What's the show? Uh, oh, walk, Michonne with the walking yeah, yeah, dead, yeah, walking yeah. dead with the machete for an example. Like the shits hit the fan. What would you do? What would you? What would your choice be? My my weapon of choice.
2: Um, I'd probably if it's coming from my own arsenal, I'd probably take my my forty four caliber, uh, my forty four magnum, um, Marlin eighteen ninety four and um, forty four. I've got so much forty four ammunition at my house because I shoot Western action with it. I've got four or five thousand rounds of forty four magnum ready to go at any one point. It's not that heavy to carry around. Um, that'd probably be my go to. Uh, if I could have any weapon uh, for zombies, um, I don't know. I suppose any of the AR platforms with a big drum mag on there, just in 2D3, two, two, <laughs> that'd probably be the way to go. All
0: right. A bit of true or false. Another bit of fun here. Okay. Beretta. You know Beretta, the company? Yep. Yep. True or false? Founded in 1546. True or false? Who wants to go first? False. False. All right. Let's yeah, go. I'll, I'll go with false on that as well. <laughs> Damn, you both got me. Founded Beretta, the company was founded in 1526. So you guys are one to one. All right, let's go to the next question. The Barrett firearm, the M82. All right, yep. true or false? All right, here we go. You're both one and one, neck to neck. Does it come true? True or false? Okay, is it uh, the firearm, the M82, comes in 50 BMG yep. and 416? True or false? Correct. That's correct. That'd be a 416 Barrett, though. Yeah, that's right, 416 Barrett. (laughs) All right, you guys are two and two. This is getting way too easy. On to the next one. Remington, Remington Arms, was the developer or initiator of the inertia-driven shotgun. True or false? Inertia-driven shotguns. Remington was the manufacturer and basically who developed inertia-driven shotguns. Is that true or is that false? I'm going to go with
2: false because I'm pretty sure that was um, his Lord and Saviour, John Moses Browning, that did that.
0: Okay, so you're going with false? I'm going to go with false. I'll go with false as well because I'm Damn sure Damn it. Browning. You guys are just <laughs> kicking ass on these questions, man. It's three to three. You're both just kicking butt. All right, let's go. Let's see if I can stump you with an actual hard question now. <laughs> 7 mil 08. Win, uh, sorry, uh, Winchester developed the 7 mil 08 cartridge. True
1: or false? I'm going to go false. I'm pretty sure it's Remington.
0: Right, really, Marty, Seven eight Winchester, developed by Winchester,
2: true or false? That doesn't sound right. I think it's a Remington cartridge as well. All right, bing, 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 you're
0: both four and four, neck and neck, correct <laughs> answer. All right, guys, this is an interesting one. You guys, I know, like your uh, semi-autos. Aaron's been around in New Zealand. Going to try and stump you on this one. You should know, it's pretty easy. Probably made it too easy. Okay, the AR in 15 stands for American
1: Rifle. True or false? False. It stands for Armour Light Rifle.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go 100% with Aaron on that one.
0: <laughs> Dan, I'm making this too easy.
1: All right, we've got to go
0: to Sudden Death. Just next question. All right, guys, this one is not really a true or false because you guys are just doing way too way too good in this. If you can tell me... The AR 10, right? Whoever wants to answer this question first, just say your name first. First one to say it can answer the question. Okay, the AR 10 comes in which two calibers? Marty, go. AR 10 comes chambered
2: in 7.62 by 51 NATO and 308 Winchester.
1: dare we? We thought the same yeah, thing. Oh, all right. 100%. We'll... Only because I talked to a guy the other day who <laughs> was in America and he went over there and built an AR 10. And it only cost – him. Um, here's a here's a answer for you. How much do you think? Question. How much do you think an AR-10 costs this guy to build in America?
0: Oh, I'd probably say depend. I mean, I know if the good ones like DPMS or um, what's the what's the good one? Uh, not DPMS. Uh, they got Panther and Rs, but the good one. Oh, what are they called again? There's two particular brands. Yeah, one of them was PRS Primary Weapons Systems. They make good ones for about two and a half grand, three grand. So I'd probably say depends if he makes it personally. I mean. I wouldn't say more than that, most likely. I mean, I don't think so. If you can buy a top-of-the-range off-the-shelf, am I totally wrong?
1: Uh, no, you build out of parts that you can buy off-the-shelf for $700.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah, $308. All right, last question, I guess, the first one to five. So Marty's on four, Aaron is on three. Okay, so this is not multiple choice because that's just too easy for you guys. So uh, say your name first if you want to answer the question, but wait until the I finish uh, saying the question The Remington 870 shotgun Was developed in 1952 1951 Or 1953
1: Here we go The Remington 870 1951
0: 1952 Or 1953 I'm going to go uh, 51 Okay And Marty What's your answer?
2: I'll go with 53 I'm really not sure. Aaron's pinned it at
0: 1951 for all. (laughs) It is one of my favourite guns of all time. I know, the Remington 870. Just reading here, was in service from 1951 until present. Comes in 12 gauge, 16, 20, 28 and 410. And can have 4 plus 1 in the tube and 7 plus 1 in the round with an external tube mag extension. Great firearm. No doubt having fun over there in New Zealand with those Remington 870s all right guys here's a good one for you another another very popular i've got the shotguns here i don't know why but let's see how you go one of the very very popular shotguns the browning auto 5 also known as the browning a5 designed in 1900 1901 or 1898 marty that was uh, eighteen ninety eight. Oh no, he's got it. He's got it. That's exactly what I was going to say because I didn't know that. <laughs> I could the draw Bra- you.
2: I could draw you a detailed schematic of one.
0: <laughs> the Browning Auto A five definitely another shotgun developed by John Browning. Weight of four point one kilograms. Surprisingly, only came in twelve, sixteen, and twenty gauge. Obviously, a semi-automatic shotgun. Uh, in use uh, across the world still now. I've seen a couple of farmers down in the duck still shooting the Browning A5. Great gun, great technology. Even still used today in the Benelli shotgun because I'm pretty sure um, Browning the bought Benelli or Belly bought Benowning. One of, Benelli, Benowning. Bought, <laughs> <laughs> Benelli bought Browning. It's one or the other, but they are uh, uh, inertia-driven shotgun technology developed by John Browning. So great firearms. All right, guys, to finish off again. So what have we got after the thing? We're going to shoot some deer. What else are we going to do? By the way, Marty won that competition, I think, five to four. So nice work, guys. <laughs> Not bit of fun there. Really. Some people said, you know, we get a bit too serious on the show. So we thought we'd just have a little bit of a trivia, a little bit of a laugh, add a bit of enjoyment into the show. So what are we going to do? We're going to shoot some stuff. We're going to film some video. Are you guys going to film some videos or vice versa?
2: Yeah, we're going to try and film a review for Aaron's Remington 700 Sendero out there. Um, got some nice long range shooting we can do out there. It's nice open country out there. You should um, be able to
1: get out to roughly a, kilomet- roughly a kilometre yep
2: um we'll have a bit of a muck around with a few fun videos there we're going to do some penetration testing on a few different objects um and obviously a good bit of a hunt around too we've got um been lent a um spotlight from pro tactical has lent us one of the new hid spotlights a power beam so we're going to test that out we'll see if there's a few bunnies or maybe if we're lucky a fox or two getting around i know there's a pack of feral dogs up there that's been uh, giving the local farmers up there grief so we'll see if we can um lure one of them in as well it'd be nice
1: We've we've also got close to 40 butane canisters coming up with us So there'll be um, a few fireballs happening Uh, And the teddy bear may may, um, make a bit of a uh, show
0: the old uh, Osama Bin Bear, <laughs> or whatever you want to call him these days. I don't know what the uh, terminology the, the, them, is. There may
2: be a Tala Bear. Um, right. There may be a Tala Bear <laughs> or two getting around in the hills up there. You never know. Yeah,
0: exactly. So what do you want to do with the show coming up for the future? What's your plans? What do you guys want to keep doing what you're doing, just get more videos out? What's the plan?
2: Yeah, we, we like to make a few. We're trying to sort of separate the show into two different types of videos, one being firearm reviews in our own sort of format we don't want to copy anyone else's format Um, So we sort of take a bit of a light-hearted approach to the review. We go over the firearms functionality, its cost and how it works, and then we sort of have a bit of a muck around with it um, and and a bit of fun with it. And the other type of video we like to produce are just our fun videos where um, you may have seen we tested the the bulletproofness of a refrigerator. Um, I've got an old washing machine we're going to test that with and maybe a few other white goods if we can find them around.
0: What do you do when you shoot? Have you got to take the white goods with you when you finish?
2: Yeah, yeah, um, we've got to clean up our mess.
1: <laughs> and we got, we've got a massive pile of fire extinguishers out, out the side of the shed that you saw today. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. You should see out the, next to the, uh, the the gun room, the gun cave. he has got about, I don't know, how many you got out there? Oh, there'll be a couple of hundred fire extinguishers um, yeah. sitting out there, all um, yeah, all shot. So we're going to hopefully get to recycle them and, and pay for some of the ammo.
0: Yeah, exactly. Sounds like a lot of fun. Well, hopefully we have a good time over the next couple of days. Thanks for you know, taking me out and showing me. Well, I guess have the next few days showing me what you're going to show me and have a bit of fun and just enjoying firearms, enjoying firearms ownership. And uh, I think it's going to be uh, a great time. Anything to add to finish off, I guess, or any any last, you know, wisdom of words or anything like that or anything you want to add?
2: Um, Just get out there and have fun with your shooting. Take someone shooting. Show them the fun aspect of it. Um, You know, if you want to do boring shooting, do boring shooting. We've got nothing against boring shooting either, but, you know, we like to keep it fun, um, be safe with your firearms, and be fun with your
1: firearms. Yeah, just uh, I agree totally with Marty. Um, Don't be afraid to showcase what you want to do. Don't don't hide. Our sport should not be hidden from the public, only because uh, the majority of the city people don't like it. Get out there, blow some stuff up, do it. As long as it's legal and safe, just do it. Don't listen to the FUDs saying that you can't do this. You shouldn't do that. You're going to get our guns taken off you. Uh, it's not going to happen because of you having some fun on a farm. The Politicians have all this lined up for years. They know exactly what they're going to go under. Go, go for because they want the votes. Uh, so, yeah, get out there and enjoy it fantastic uh aaron and
0: marty join me here on the australian hunting podcast for another episode guys thanks for your time Uh, appreciate it no worries thanks for having us on thank you thank you you've been listening to an episode of the australian hunting podcast i hope you enjoyed it see you next time